Hi, I'm Tina Spangler with TLC Barrels and welcome to my podcast. This podcast is made for my Facebook virtual coaching group. This is live number 84 Q&A on March 22nd of 2022. First of all, I would like to welcome Linda from Florida to the group. And also, I'd like to mention that we have 12 names on the personal best drawing. So if you've had a personal best for March, whatever it is, a fastest time in arena, you're proud of something you accomplished on your horse at home in training, anything, let me know and you'll get added to the list. And at the beginning of every month, I draw one name from that list and they can win one free month in the group. They can win a TLC saddle cross, keychain, TLC books, and I'm thinking what else is there? I think that's about it. But those are your options, and it's still, it's only about a $15 prize, but the way I look at it is all those small wins add up to those big wins and goals that you've set for yourself for 2022 and ahead. So, um, and also we want to celebrate your wins with you. There's nothing more exciting than staying positive and focused and, and, um, continuing, continuing to feel that progress. So I'm also going to run a special for the balance of this year for 2022. If you refer a friend, tell a friend about my group and they sign up and tell me that you referred them, you're going to get half off for a month. So that's a really good special for you too. And if they sign up for just one month, you'll get half off. If they sign up for a whole year, you'll get a full month off. So Again, just tell a friend because you enjoy the group and maybe they'll sign up too. That's how I get all my clients all my life. Um, with TLC, the last 30 years has been off references and word of mouth for the most part. And, um, you know, that's, I think, the best way to get your business is from high recommendations. So that's why I always try to do a quality job for you guys because I care about you reaching your goals and I care about my business growing and continuing. So 150 is my goal for this year. So tell a friend and you will get a half a half off for one month or a full month if they join for more than a month. Let's see here. So this, this month's challenge, um, I want to stay focused this whole month on a mindset challenge. And that mindset challenge is going to be positivity and confidence. Um, so it can start with just being grat grateful, having gratitude. So waking up in the morning and um, giving thanks for all the wonderful things in your life, um, enjoying every day, uh, and then having that calm, confident leader about yourself, that's going to increase your confidence. So positivity and confidence are really important. Um, I can't tell you how often I'll have someone come for a lesson or send me an email and their first words are, I can't. I don't, you know, all negative words. So if you tell those negative words to your brain or say them outside, um, you know, out of, out of your mouth, your, your brain's going to try to match that. And I, I know it sounds crazy, but if you tell your brain you can do something, it searches for ways to help you accomplish it. And an example of that is, for instance, I had to fix my front stairs. And mind you, I was married for 25 five years. I was with him for 27, I think, a long time. And um, I let the man do the man stuff. I did the woman stuff for the most part. I didn't pay attention. My dad and my brother were amazing carpenters. Um, so I didn't pay attention to a lot of that stuff. I did my woman stuff and I did my horse business and I didn't worry about changing oils on the four-wheelers or John Deere because he did that. I didn't fix things around the barn or the house because he did that. 
you know, so now I didn't even have a skill saw and my front steps were water rotten on one side and they were becoming dangerous. So I looked up a YouTube video, how to do it, went to Home Depot, found that they already had pre-made stair steps. And then all I'd have to do is cut the, um, you know, the, the actual one that has the cuts in it for four steps. Um, and it was only like 17 bucks. I bought me an inexpensive skill saw because he took that with the divorce and I didn't want to do it all with a handsaw, especially two inch by six inch boards. And, um, and so I, I, all I had to do was cut straight boards with the skill saw and, and I had a DeWalt, uh, drill already and screws and I'll just had to put it all together. So I watched the YouTube video, tore it all down, you know, loaded it in my dump pile and then uh, on the cart wagon to go to the dump. And then I went ahead and uh, started putting it all together. I got my leveler out and, you know, mapped it all out before I bolted it all down, screwed it all down. And, you know, and afterwards it actually works. So there's an example of um, doing something that I shouldn't have had any confidence in, right? I didn't, I've never done it before, but I made a plan. I prepared, I, I studied, I I set up, I practice, I, uh, I just really tried to do a good job. And then when I was done, I felt really accomplished and proud of myself. It's the same with changing the oils. This weekend was a big project for me. Uh, I couldn't change the oil before on the four wheelers or fuel filters, air filters, all that stuff. Uh, same with the John Deere until again, watching YouTube videos and, and doing all that stuff. So I've learned a lot and that makes me really happy. Um, I do have like one issue on each of my four wheelers I struggle with and thank God my neighbor is a mechanic. So I take it over and give him a 20 and have him help me with it because it's just something that I'll spend 30 minutes in tears over because I don't have the arm strength. So there's nothing wrong with asking for help either, but um, it's just in an awkward place and I just can't seem to get this one part of each four wheeler done, but the rest of it I can do. And, and one day I may accomplish it again, but you know, I've been very fortunate to have this neighbor that'll help me out with that. And, uh, but the John Deere, I can do everything on. It just feels good to be able to do your own stuff. Why do I do it? Because I live on a tight budget, having five horses there, you know, everyone knows how that is, but, but these things, um, this month, I want you to really focus on, having that confidence, having that positivity. And, you know, and, and it's okay to not know how to do something, but it, it's also good to say, I can learn how to do that. I can do that. Instead of saying, oh no, I can't do that. I could have said, you know, that's the man's thing that man always did it. I don't know how to do it. I can't do it. You know, my brother and dad, my ex, all, they all did all that stuff. Instead, I was like, all right, I'm going to have to learn. And so that's what I did. So I would like you to take that confidence and that positivity and that attitude of I can, I will, and apply it to your horses and your uh, setting those goals and competition for yourself. You know, be in it to win it, you know, not just there to show up and have a good time. But if that's, I mean, if that's your goal, that's great too. But if you are there to win it, be in it to win it. So, you know, those are the things I'd like you to consider. So um, with that said, um, in the group, we'll be, I'll be posting videos this week and it did some last week. Some of them last week were like how to warm up your horse, like a free runner or a push horse definitely um you know if you have a hotter horse or laid back horse you're going to do that a little bit different also some on face flexing transitions loose rein riding sacking your horse out this week will be on extra care and then i'll pick a couple more drills for dry work and drills and also on the barrel pattern pull pattern stuff like that i'll be posting so watch for videos in the group 
I've already done over 25 videos from the weekend, and it's only Tuesday morning. So I'm um, proud of you. There was several, several, I think um, about 10 that were personal bests. So I'm really proud of you guys um, for those personal bests. And those of you that, you know, maybe had a mistake here or there, that's okay. You're learning from that. So, you know, it's not losing. You're either winning or you're learning. And um, that's the key. So this week's topic is going to be about TLC's program explained as a full circle. So I think of a circle of life a lot. You know, I think of how, you know, everything is intended for something else and all of that. And, and I believe when you make a program for your horses, it has to be holistic. You have to look at the entire program. It can't just be one piece of your pie. And my particular pie has eight parts to it. So I'm going to go ahead and get into that for the Q&A. I mean, for the topic this week. But before I do that, I'm going to go ahead and get into the Q&A. And um, the first question that came across, hold on one second. My little hunter is having a really rough day. Some days he has good days and some days he has bad days, but he's 13 and on lots of different medicines right now for a bad heart. And these weather changes are taking him for a, a difficult time right now. Okay, so first question, um, let's see here. The first question was about going to big shows, like three-day shows. They kind of want to have a pre-game plan um, for, you know, taking care of their horse. They already have a good warm-up and a good pattern, but they want to know what are the extra things that, to consider for a three-day show. Um, so one of it, uh, one part of it is their emotional well-being. The other part would be uh, pain, recovery, calm immune support and you can look at this from a natural standpoint or an rx and i'm not saying everybody should do things naturally a lot of people like to start natural but some horses don't respond to natural products and they need to go with the rx so let's talk about first of all going to a three-day show you've got to have your horse already prepared uh mentally so if you never stall your horse and your horse is always able to go in and out of the barn or um, out in the pasture and that's something you'd want to start doing. Uh, stall them two to four hours a day, put some music on, maybe under lights, and make sure they're not completely stressed out with music and lights at nighttime and uh, being in a stall. That's something that will start getting them used to because if you'll find it, the uh, super shows are very noisy. You'll have horses banging, screaming, lights on, people coming in and out, feeding at all different times. It can be very stressful for a barrel horse and if they're not seasoned to it, and seasoning can take a whole year. So um, I've known horses that, you know, climb the walls of the stalls, hurt themselves, kick at the walls, scream, act like complete maniacs, and they'll even announce it over the announcer's booth, hey, you need to go check on your horse because the horse is just climbing the walls. So in order to prepare your horse for that, you need to have a plan. One, you can do things naturally, like starting to prepare them for that, that also conditioning them for for running multiple runs. Um, but then you have to look at uh, the pain part of it. 
some people, because a horse is being stalled more than usual, will do things orally to help. Um, if a horse is on um, a natural product like homeopathic arnica, that can help with some soreness. Um, otherwise, people might give a gram of butte the morning of, and um, one gram of butte in the morning, 12 hours later, one gram of butte at night when they're going to be competing three days in a row. But of course, you'd want to do that with your vet. Um, it doesn't do any good to just give Prevacox. Um, Prevacox is something that's got to build into their system for several days, but Butte works immediately, kind of like an Advil or Tylenol. It's going to be in your system in about an hour to make you start feeling better, but it's only going to last 12 hours. Now, Prevacox or Equinox, um, I use it for an older arthritic mare here, and I can tell a complete difference. I give her a quarter tablet a day, and if I run out and she's not on it for a week, she is stiff and sore. But it is something that takes at least a week to get in their system. So, And you cannot do Prevacox and Butte together, and you don't want to do Banamine and Butte together. So some people might give a horse a half a dose or a full dose of Banamine for sore muscles or for relaxing. Um, I would, again, caution you on doing that because... You want to be careful not to over pain relief a horse because they could very well go out there and hurt something um, a little bit to take away some of that muscle soreness from stalling more. But if you can do things naturally, like get them out and walk them more, take them uh, and get them a rental of a turnout area and things like that, that's going to help you for the pain issue. Um, there are other things you can do that are more preventative as well, like having them on a monthly program for Legends or Adequan or Summit, whatever your thing is. Um, you can also make sure you're doing their conditioning, as I mentioned earlier, uh, cookie stretches for the neck, uh, leg stretches, you know, getting while you're there. There's always chiropractors, massage therapists, people with beamer blankets, things like that at super shows. You can take advantage of TheraPlate, all those kind of stuff are usually at super shows. Um, for some more recovery. Some of them will have uh, the nebulizers, you know, for lung treatments. And th there's just a lot of things you can do for your horses. There's extra care that you can do as well with your uh, BOTs or your magnetic blankets, um, poultice, essential oils, massage, acupressure. You know, you can know your horse, get your hands on your horse, feel if they have any hot spots, sore spots, feel like anything's tighter than normal, tighter than another area. Um, all of those kind of things. You can do a lot for them. As far as calming, if your horse is stressed, some people will inexpensively just do one cc of ACE before they load them on the trailer or before they tack them up or before they put them in the stalls. But you want to give that whatever you do, like Dynamite has a product called um, Tranquil for mares and Relax for geldings. And you give about two cc's about an hour before they're going to be stimulated. And that's the same thing with the uh, ACE. You give it one cc. Both of those products, whether you go with the RX or the natural, go in the mouth orally about an hour before they're going to get stressed out. So if it's because you're going to stall them or or haul them a long distance, or any of those things, uh, or even for competition in a new loud building. Um, all those things can take a little bit of an edge off, but not make them where they'll they'll trip or stumble or, or take that fire away from them. It just gets that little bit more focus and relaxed as you warm up and before you go to make your run. So those are things to consider. 
Um, I do for immune system, I do Dynapro. It's a prebiotic. It keeps the gut healthy, which keeps the body healthy. Um, for recovery, I like Dynaspark. It's a organic blackstrap molasses with all the different electrolytes that the horse would lose during stress and sweat and all of that. Um, of course, you can do oral um, oral joint supplements too if you don't want to do the needle with the Legends. I believe Legends is intravenous, adequine is in the muscle, and Summit I think is a muscle as well. And every horse is going to respond different, just like people respond different to Tylenol, Advil, Aleve, that kind of stuff. Um, so let's see, I use uh, TNT or free and easy, free, free and easy, um, with dynamite. Those are an oral joint supplement or an all in one. So I really like to, um, keep a horse when they're competing. I do like to keep them on the dynamite foundation because it covers everything that they need for all of the things I mentioned, uh, inflammation, calming, recovery, immune support. And again, it's natural and it can be done daily under, um, with their meal. So that's something to consider as well. Um, so preparing that horse for, um, that helps extra mats. If you're going to be on cement, getting extra mats, extra shavings, you can put them in soft ride boots for long trailer hauls if they've never done that. Um, so I think I talked about all of that. So that answers that question. Uh, there's probably more, but I'm going to keep it shorter there, but that just gives you some idea. There are like products like Butless that you can do too if you're worried about ulcers for your horse. And speaking of ulcers, I do Miracle Clay uh, as a preventative as well. So I can put that on their food or I can give it to them orally in a syringe and coat their stomach to keep um, it nice and smooth. You should also consider how much hay and feed you give before competition. You don't want to you personally wouldn't want to eat a big meal and then go work. So it's the same with horses. You want to give them a quarter or a half and you know a good couple hours out. And don't give them a gigantic meal and then expect them to run with a full belly. So, but don't starve them either. That's stressful and not good for them. So let's see here. The next question was about teaching um, flying lead changes. So there's two ways that you can teach flying lead changes. One way is like a reining horse. A reining horse has lots of fancy buttons and they spend a lot of time getting uh, four main things um, to get that flying lead change on a cue. Uh, the one way is to make sure that they can go from a walk to a lope in a straight line on the correct lead. A lot of people will trot and then lope, but literally from a walk to a canter on the correct lead is important. Uh, so all this has to happen before you even ask for that lead change. The second thing is to be able to walk in a straight line um, and lope in a straight line with the nose in, the shoulder up and out, and the hip in. So basically you're two tracking. So while you're walking in that straight line, you pick up their nose and ask the nose to go to the inside of the arena, ask the shoulder to go towards the rail of the arena. And then that would be with your inside hand, inside leg of the inside of the arena. And then your outside leg in the back center is gonna push that hip in. So you're like two tracking. And that two tracking is what's going to be your cue, scissor legs and hand, very subtle, is going to be your cue for the beginning stages of flying lead changes. But you have to have the horse's body really broke loose to be able to get a, uh, reigning horse fine lead change that's not stressful. 
Horses can get real emotional real fast with lead changes. It takes a lot to keep them calm and quiet and have a really subtle lead change and takes a lot of time and hours. Um, the next thing is to be able to lope circles where you do a half a circle or a quarter of a circle, nose in, shoulder out, and a half or a quarter of a circle, nose out, shoulder in. Um, that's really important too, because again, for a flying lead change, you need to be able to shift the horse's direction and from going from a left circle to a right circle and be able, that has to begin with head and neck control and shoulder control. And then you would engage the hip finally when you're ready to do those flying lead changes. But again, you have to have a very broke loose horse in order to accomplish that. The fourth thing would be starting to do figure eights with simple transitions in the middle. You could trot in the middle and then ask for the uh, lead change. You could also break to a walk and ask for that lead change. And that is important as well. Now, if you were just teaching flying lead changes for barrel racing or pole bending, um, you could do my figure eights with a snap drill and let them figure it out. You can also just start asking for it. If you're eloping the barrel pattern, as soon as you leave first barrel, give the same cue that you would ask for the lead change uh, in a circle or a straight line and ask for it for that very first stride out. And if they don't take it, ask for it again as you approach the second barrel. And they'll start to feel like, you know, it, it feels better to be on the correct lead and they'll start getting it for you. You can also break down from a canter to the first barrel to a trot around it and then ask for the lead change the first stride out and then lope the second and third barrel on the correct lead. So all those ways will start beginning to teach your horse to prepare for a lead change. Um, sometimes people do it um, without a cue and they just let the horse try to figure it out. So they might go straight at a fence and then turn to the right and see if they'll swap when they're on the left lead or go straight to a fence when they're on um, the right lead and turn to the left and hope they'll swap. Sometimes that's rough though and it's cross-fiery and it makes a horse hot and silly. So I personally prefer the first one I mentioned because you spend more time preparing them and giving them those fancy buttons to get you to that flying lead change. Um, but again, it just takes time. It's not something that's going to happen overnight and you really have to work at it. So let's see here. Uh, the next question was about training, um, training slumps and getting frustrated and, you know, just feeling like it's never going to happen. So let me tell you this, first of all, there's three things you have to keep in mind. It's going to take you a minimum of two years. Okay. So already put two years on, onto it to really get your horse on you a solid team. All right. The second most important thing is knowing your horse. You have to know every move they're going to make and when they're going to make it, how they're going to make it, why they're going to make it, and, you know, how to repeat that every single time. And then the third thing is they have to let you handle them because you can't run to a barrel full blast and um, need to make an adjustment and the horse totally freak out because you had to pick them up or move them over or something like that or uh, you know you rated late that kind of stuff so that's why having a broke 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 horse really matters and I mean fancy broke a horse that will laterally face flex vertically face flex collect extend all off seat and light leg and hand cues it's all so important so um, you should have a checklist. You know, you should always go back to your basics during the week. They should not feel pushy or stiff. 
They should always feel soft and responsive. Um, you should be able to do everything slow and correct and smooth. And if you can't be perfect, slow and, and um, smooth, then it's never going to be correct and smooth going fast. Um, your focus should be a lot on soft hands during the week and riding more with your seat and legs so that in competition when you go faster uh, and you're not just doing your slow work, you'll have that comp confidence and know that your horse is going to be prepared and ready to do their job. Just like building those steps. I didn't just start tearing it apart and putting it back together. I watched videos. I went to the store. I thought about it. I kind of drew it out in my head how I was going to do it, that kind of stuff. So there will be disappointments. I'm not going to sit here and tell you there's not. Anybody that has been around barrel racing knows that that's barrel racing. You can watch the NFR and 10 go-arounds and they don't have 10 perfect runs. They'll have runs where they go by a barrel or hit a barrel. You know, that's part of barrel racing. You can't let it affect your confidence though. You have to shake it off, learn from it and go on to the next one. And I'm going to get into that today with my uh, circle of TLC program, circle of life. It can't just be one thing. It's so many things. And that's why it's so hard. But that's also why it's so rewarding when it all comes together because you know what all you put into it. Um, so I hope that answers that question. The next question is having no rate and um, not wanting to bump your reins. I 100% agree if you don't have to bump, I don't want to bump. I'd rather just get up, sit down, turn my body. And that's what I'd like to just do. But there are times that I have to do more than just look at my spots and sit down and, and turn my body. Um, there are times when you do have to talk to them. Whoa, here. There's times where you have to use an inside leg to soften a rib or an outside leg to straighten a shoulder or a two-hand check to put them on their butt, a one-hand check to say, hey, it's time uh, to start a turn or finish a turn. But again, notice I said bump. I didn't say hang on their head. I didn't say pull. And notice I said if they don't listen. So if you haven't done your work during the week and they're not completely loose rein woe at a walk trot canter, if they're not completely soft and supple, then you haven't prepared them to be able to be ridden without a bump. Um, but even watching uh, the top slow NFR or fraturity riders I'd put in the group in slow motion, and you can review those by going to the search box and typing in Ashley Schaefer or Winda. Um, and you can see Winda does one hand checks. You know, she rides one hand through the pattern on her NFR horse, but does one hand bumps. You know, even as fast as they run, they still do a quick bump to say it's time. Um, you know, after they've sat and had leg and all of that. Um, and then, you know, the Futurity Colts sometimes need more two hands to help them collect and get on their butt. You can't just throw, throw it away to them because they don't rake themselves down. They need you to help them. So you have to know, even on a push horse, you might do a one hand bump. On a free runner, you might have to do a two hand bump. It's going to have to happen sometimes. Ideally, we want to ride 80% just with our body, our seat and our legs, shoulders, hips, seat. Um, ideally, that's what we want. So, but again, there's nothing wrong with it, but you can get better at that by doing loose rein woe drills, circles with one circle, loose rein woe and roll back. Spirals help with that, working off your seat for collection and extension. Single barrel, um, that's good. 
If they do woe on a loose rein, stop and pet them and rest them. And if they don't off your just your voice and your seat, your regular brakes, then you would apply your emergency brakes, which would be your hands and sitting a little deeper. And then you'll back them up by clucking at them a couple steps with your seat and hands together. And pay attention to hoof placement. As soon as they move a foot, release pressure, move a foot, release pressure. Don't just keep pulling as they're giving to the pressure. Um, so that's important too, give and take. Give and take is everything. That's another huge issue I see in lessons and clinics is holding, holding, holding. You've got to give it back and it has to be quick. The next one is hitting barrels going in. So if you're hitting barrels going in, my favorite drill is in and out. That way you're picking them up and giving them more pocket at spot one and two. So you'd go to your normal arc or your normal rate spot, but then you're going to sit at one or two strides before the barrel and pick them up laterally with your inside hand and leg and move them from that three foot pocket or three foot straight line out to a five or six foot spot one and spot two while they're bending laterally and then finish with three feet at spot three. And that's going to help with hitting barrels going in and taking away anticipation. You can also do the straighter longer drill or fence to fence drill. And that's where you take their hip or your leg all the way to the barrel with even hands, legs, looking between their ears and riding straighter longer at a walk, trot, and a lope. You'd stop at the barrel square. If you felt any hesitation or wanting to turn or get their hip out or their shoulder in, you just balance them between your two hands and your legs and you drive them up in there square, 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 square. Then you stop them, pet them, rest them, let them see the barrel in the rearview mirror and let them know, hey, this is where you need to be. If they cut you off, then you're going to roll back away, go repeat it back to first barrel, go to the fence, stop, roll back away, go back to second barrel, go to the fence, stop, roll back away until they'll go in a straight line and not think, oh, there's a barrel, I'm going to turn it. You can even do it at third barrel. So um, just roll back away after you go up in their square and go back to second and repeat. And anytime you do this, you can either walk around the barrel or you can roll back away from the barrel. But they need to go in their square and not dropping shoulders, not swinging butts, not turning till you say turn. This will teach the rider to ride square and straighter longer and it will take the anticipation out of that horse. I promise you, horses that want to turn, dropping your rein, looking to the inside, any of those things can mean to that kind of horse to turn and to rate and turn at the same time. And that's not what you want. So now if the next question was about hitting the barrels leaving, a lot of times people say a horse that hits a barrel leaving is just working really hard. Sometimes it can happen because they start to turn one kick too soon. You know, like they needed just 12 more inches to get their hip to spot two. Instead, they got their shoulder to spot two and just didn't have the room to get around it. So their hip catches a barrel leaving. Some of them are just stiff rollbacky and they pivot too hard. They rock back and don't keep four wheel drive. So they'll catch it leaving. So with that kind of horse, I like to do what I call circles and true turns. So I work on flex and fluidity. I stay on my outside hip and, and I'll walk or trot, sit jog a couple of five foot circles. And when they're really supple and four wheel drive and laterally bending in the rib cage and the shoulder and their hips up under them and I can feel them reaching with their shoulders and pushing with their hips, I'm going to go around that barrel one full time, one and a half times. And then finally at spot three, I'm going to go to my inside hip and let them snap out. And then I'm going to repeat it at the next barrel. I'll go straight line to a three foot pocket, a stride or two from the barrel. I sit, move them out like an in and out and then do a perfect five foot circle again Having that nice um, bend in the, the shoulder and the rib cage is 
correct and, and the horse's shoulders picked up, they're using their hindquarters. I don't want to feel chargy. I don't want to feel like they're dumping on their front end. I don't want to feel stiff or sticky. I'm looking for flex and fluidity, four-wheel drive and balance, reaching with the shoulders, pushing with the hip and a nice half shape to their body, a nice softness, roundness to their body. So that's what I would do there. Um, you can also do all uh, lefts and all rights as well. That's a good one for that. The next question is about how to improve how to improve balance, my balance, and get off of their head. Okay, so that's two parts, okay? One, you can ride bareback with no stirrups if you feel strong enough and safe enough to do that. Again, if your horse has never been bareback, be careful. And if you've never ridden bareback, be careful because you can really lose your balance. Or... Um, but back, but the benefit of riding bareback, and I'd recommend that for all of you, maybe teens or young 20s, 30s, that kind of stuff, maybe in 40s, um, you know, depend on your core and your fitness and your health and all of that. You, it'll teach you to sit on your pockets more. It'll teach you to soften your ribs into your hips more. And a lot of you, that would really help you um, sit through your turns better by riding bareback. And um, your horse will also fill your leg more and you'll get your horse responding to your leg more. Um, and I'm not putting just an age on it, but more of a health and fitness thing. So um, just be careful. Now, if you don't feel confident to ride without a saddle, you can ride without stirrups, though, and still feel that sit, sitting on your pockets because you don't have your your um, balance from your seat. And just make sure you're not on their head. So maybe doing um, one-handed drills, that will help as well. So I hope that's helpful for you. Um, the next question is about whipping versus um, just pulling up and smooching my horse out of the turns at spot three, which is better. And honestly, it depends on um, the rider, how well they do it. I have seen riders uh, leaving a barrel looking for their whip. So they're looking down, looking for their whip, and their horse hasn't fired for two or three strides. And that's two or three tenths, you guys, off the clock. So if you're going to uh, whip, I recommend pulling up on the horn at spot three, giving them their head, and then after one stride out and you've given them their head, you're smooching, you're driving, and you've already got the fire, then without looking down, and you, you're going to go back to two hands, that's when you would quirk one time by your second stride out. And then that way you can get back to two hands or switch hands or whatever you need to do um, without getting in their way. Or in the case of maybe a horse that wants to shut down going to the eye, get hustling out of the third barrel first and then keep whipping, you know, you can whip after that, you know, to keep them running to the eye. Um, and again, it shouldn't be a whip that leaves the mark. It should be more like a jockey um, doing it in stride with a horse, uh, you know, just swooshing alongside of them, you know, and, and, you know, a light tap, not a leave a mark tap kind of thing. So that's something else to consider. Um, the next question is about four wheel drive versus rollback. Okay. So if your horse is um, really stiff and not, and that's their style. Their winning style is more stiff and roll back. During the week, you should do four-wheel drive stuff. You can set up some cones. A really good way to do that um, is set up your arc cone and set up your spot one and two cone. And really try to think of like a, I'd set your arc cone at seven feet. So you have an eight foot arc. And then I'd set my spot one and spot two cones three feet away from the barrel. So that way I'm really thinking about a lateral bend once I get to my arc. I'm thinking about 
keeping that horse fluid and soft from my arc to my spot one and my spot two. And then I wouldn't necessarily let them pivot out if they hit barrels leaving. If they didn't, I do like a circle with a rollback, you know, like a half circle rollback on my four wheel drive horses. But if I'm on a rollback horse, I'm gonna also soften them at spot three. So that horse, you may wanna add a, a cone at spot three, three fit off the barrel and do more of a shape release, spot one, two, and three to keep it more circular. And then they're not allowed to get stiff or snap out until one stride out of the turn. That way they don't catch the barrels leaving. So if the four-wheel drive horse, I'm just going to worry about my arc cone and my spot one and two cone. So they can do a perfect arc and then a half circle straight line out of my turns. Because I don't worry about them wanting to hit a barrel leaving. Um, but if I'm on that stiff, sticky rollback horse, I'm going to put my cones at all three spots and keep them more flexed and round all the way till we're out of the turn. So I hope that answers that. Let me see if I have any more questions and then I'm gonna get into the topic. Okay, so my topic today is again, the TLC program that I've developed over 30 years. Look, we're always learning, we never know it all. I learn from every horse I've met in my life, every rider I've met in my life. Even things I started 10, 20 years ago, I might've modified and improved them. Obviously, you have to or you're not growing, you're not keeping up with the times, you're not keeping up with the competition because the more you learn, uh, better ways, you know, you've seen the industry change with better bloodlines, better training, better conditioning, better vet care, better hoof care, all these things. So we always are learning. So here's the, the eight parts of my program. I believe it as a thinking of it as a piece of a puzzle or a pie, and my pie has eight parts to it. And you have to have all eight of these things to succeed, in my opinion. First is the horse's foundation. And you can write this down because you want, may wanna make sure you've got all these. Number two is the rider's cues. Number three is your mental game, confidence, positivity, in it to win it. Number four is having a correct pattern. Number five is that hauling for exhibitions or entering and just, you know, getting seasoned. Number six is that second year of seasoning where you're getting really solid, know your horse, and, and um, that's a big part of it. Number seven, how to tune my horse up, how to warm my horse up properly, the emotional, mental, physical part of it. That's really important. Um, and then number eight is knowing that every horse is different and they're going to need different saddles, bits, um, training, competition, whips, spurs, as well as nutrition um, and keeping them in shape. So all of these things are extremely important and you cannot have one without the other. So always keep that in mind. Number one speaks for itself. A horse has to have a solid foundation. And you know, I've talked about this Um you know, the head, neck, shoulder, rib cage, hips, um, connect to their brain, connect to their feet, um, you know, have to be able to move away from pressure, give to pressure. All of those things are super important. Leads, extension, collection, whoa, all of those things, backing, rollbacks, sidebacks, um, lead changes, all of that's important. Rider cues, knowing how to use your cues properly, eyes, voice, body, hands, legs. Your mental game, are you positive? Are you confident? Are you focused on what you can control, not what you can't control? Um, the pattern being correct, can you walk a perfect pattern, trot it, lope it, slow lope, uh, fast lope, high, high run, slow run? Is it perfect at every speed? You know, and maybe not necessarily perfect, but 
consistent, you know, like maybe you have a little, you know, the faster you go, I'd like it to be perfect slow because it's hard to be perfect super fast. So if you've got, if you're making mistakes slow, it's going to be worse fast is what I'm saying. And then the, the hauling, you know, are you going once a month, twice a month, once a week? What's best for your horse? How many runs should I make a year on my horse? Does my horse do better psychology wise if they run once a month, once a week? You've got to know your horse. And then the seasoning, get to know how my horse acts in big pins with the barrels way off the fences, how my horse runs in small pins with the barrels on the fence, uh, hard ground, deep ground, uh, rodeo conditions, super show conditions, jackpots. Um, you know, one thing I will say, when you start rodeoing, you start going to pro rodeos and you see how fierce the competition is, how focused and you, you've got to go for it. And, or you're not winning, you're not going to get a check if you're not three tenths off. So there is no easy to first. There is no, you know, just go for pretty. You got to go for it. And by going to that level of competition, it makes you ride different at jackpots. Jackpots then become easy compared to uh, high level super shows or high level rodeos because there's no, you know, you're not going to, you're not going to get a check in the top division if you're not going for it. So that's really important as well. Um, so that second year of seasoning is super important. That first year, you're just trying to teach them the ropes, you know. And that's why I talked about two solid years. And then the seventh thing, that tuning up, knowing what they need during the week. You know, do I need to focus on my brakes more? Do I need to work on my uh, lungs and capacity, uh, wind capacity or sprinting to free them up or more collection work, more rate work, Um knowing to, how to warm up my horse. And they may all be different, you know, because they are different. You know, some are stiff, some are bendy, some are lazy, some are hot. Um, and then, of course, the mental game, the emotional game. How do I keep this horse sound and, and happy? Um, all of that. So when should I take time off? When should I go on a trail ride? Those are important. And then, of course, the next, the eighth thing, the final thing there is, um, each horse as an individual, saddle fit, bits, uh, side pulls, training, compete, uh, whips, spurs, nutrition, all of those things, you've got to really know what each individual needs. So I'm going to leave you with a final note on that. And my final note is the psychology of the horse. Um, I used to run in Colorado, a 16 hand horse named Cash, and I used to run a 15 hand horse named Callie. Uh, one time they had a thing at state finals in Colorado called a Tanner time. There was eight timers and a speed, uh, a speed, like a radar clock, like a cop checks your, how fast you're going miles per hour. So I did, I paid the extra money to get my Tanner time and it compares to who, whoever won the state go around for that day. They'll compare the fast time against your time. And both my horses ran exactly one second off at state that particular year exactly one second off and they won 3d money uh, back then it was called 2d money um it was when it was a full second for the tool 2d um, it was like the early 90s and uh mid 90s maybe mid, yeah, i think it was mid 90s well anyways um cash my 16 hand horse ran 26 miles an hour home from the third barrel home Callie ran 24 miles an hour now remember I just said they ran the exact same time within hundreds of each other 24 miles an hour she ran home cash ran faster to first barrel than Callie Callie got around the barrels every barrel faster than Callie 
I mean, sorry, Callie got around every barrel faster, the little horse, than the big horse. Cash ran faster between each barrel than, um, than Callie did. So he beat her in the straightaways. She beat him in the turns. And they had the exact same time, even though he was even faster uh, going home. So it tells you that a little horse or a big horse, as long as they have heart and they're running their best run, you know, that's all that matters, you know, and this was high level competition. I mean, there was a lot of tough horses there. So, and I believe it was their first year going to state. So I was really proud of them. And it was interesting to see that. But then the following years came along. And I remember people always telling me, oh, I love Callie, but she's like Bozo. Back then, Christy Peterson and Bozo were going to the NFR every year. And they would say, you know, I had two or three um, WPRA girls tell me, you know, Callie's awesome. She's like the Bozo of the 2D world. And it really upset me that they didn't think that she could be 1D. And I was so, at, I would, I felt like they were poo-pooing on my dreams, you know, and it broke my heart. But long story short, went to state finals one year and she ended up in the top 10 of the 1D just for one go around, but she did it. And I just felt like that just gave me the biggest satisfaction. I had more fire between the barrels, more fire to the first barrel. I just wanted it so bad and I got it out of her. Did it happen all the time? No. Could I count on my hand, on two hands, all of her 1D runs? Was she mostly in the 2D? Yes. But she did it. And so I guess what I'm saying is don't let people poo-poo your dreams. And I want to end with this because I've been talking 45 minutes. I want to end this with take a minute, take a step back if you need it, and give, you, give yourself a day off to get a fresh mind or get back at it. But whatever you do, don't give up. Learn, have fun, and, um, and things to keep in mind when you're barrel racing and you're training are five things. Smile, have fun, laugh at yourself. Two, communicate well with your horse and have patience. Three, work well with all types of horses and people. That's so important. Number four, be a thinker or problem solver. And number five, have a go for it attitude. So thank you guys for tuning in this week. And of always, count your blessings. Um, ride with heart and God bless. Thank you.